Your operations are the heartbeat to your business. I created this podcast to help you balance your childlike innovation with parent-like efficiency. Welcome to Daily Ops Boost. Yo, what's up team? Welcome back to another Daily Ops Boost. We're stoked to have you here today. And it's a little different today. I know you guys are usually used to me going on my little monologue for a few minutes and getting information directly from me, but we're changing it up. We're mixing things up with some guests coming on the podcast now. So, and of course, you know, when I thought about guests and who I wanted to bring on first onto the podcast, well, of course, I had to go with my partner in crime over at Hydra, Mr. Nicholas Kirchner. And if you guys don't know Nicholas by now, you should know. Uh, but Nicholas is a previous agency owner, two-time previous agency owner, right? Had an agency uh, that he had uh, when he kind of graduated out of high school and was moving into college uh, and was able to build a really awesome agency that was then sold to another agency. He then became the president of that agency, scaled that agency uh, in about 18 months to multiple seven figures, team of over 35 people, and working with some of the most prominent businesses in the world, people like Humana, Northwestern Mutual, Yahoo, and the list goes on from there. Also worked with a lot of great direct consumer brands like Snow Teeth Whitening. Uh, and so just has a lot of uh, a knowledge in the agency space specifically, but specifically around the financial side of the business. Now, always preface our financial talks with this of this is not financial advice. And you shouldn't listen to anything that we have to say because uh, we are not financial advisors. But we're going to talk a little bit on financial uh, financials of running an agency and some of the, uh, the the financial side of the business. But first off, Nicholas, how you doing, brother? Doing fantastic. Thank you for having me, man. Of course, man. No, no other person would be coming on this podcast first than you. So stoked to be here, man. Um, hopefully, I did justice on your intro. I think you did. I've, I've done it a few times. I've done it a few times because you're, you're inside of the pitch deck uh, that we have inside of the consultancy. And I have to give your bio and your experience every single time I, I take a sales call. So uh, it, it's something that I've practiced a couple times by now. So I think I got it locked in. But I want to give you this time in this platform to talk more than me and to be the person that really guides the conversation as far as like the topic of finance for agencies. Uh, and I know you've got, you've got, you already have something prepared. Nicholas is like one of the most prepared people you'll ever meet in your life, always has something prepared. Um, but I want to dive in today. Um, I think like the main idea is like, hey, where are agencies currently missing out on the financial side of their business? Um, this is something that I know is really tidy inside of our consultancy. It's something that we just did a massive workshop on the previous week. But for our listeners, for the people that aren't inside, don't really really have a peek inside of our business or inside of our consultancy, um, what are some of those like big misconceptions or what are some of the missing things that people are, are, are having inside of their agency, inside of finance? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great questions. So financials, to be fair, is not something that most people find exciting. And I just want to acknowledge that up front. But at the end of the day, we don't go through all this work to make no money, right? So someone within the organization needs to be paying attention to it. So first point being, make sure you have someone who has ownership over your finances. As CEO or an owner, you should be having visibility into your financials and doing that on a monthly basis. And your leadership team should be talking about that and meeting on that at least 
once a month to discuss the lay of the land, where we're at, what we have in cash reserves, things like that. You're just going to operate a lot more soundly and with more peace of mind if you know your numbers. Mm. And firm believer, if you don't know your numbers, how can you really be sure as a leader you're making the right decision within the organization on mm-hmm. where to steer things, right? So that would be my first point is just make sure whether it's you or you get support from a CFO on a contract basis or a bookkeeper, just make sure you have your financial statements and you're reviewing them on a regular basis. The three statements you, be, you should be taking a look at is your income statement or your profit and loss as it's more commonly referred to, your balance sheet and your statement of cash flows. So if you're only gonna pay attention to a few things within your agency, at least make sure you're looking at those items. So another misconception or thing that I see needs adjusting, especially with newer agencies, is what is called cash-based accounting versus accrual-based accounting. And with cash-based accounting, think of it like this. You're recording that transaction on your financial statements when money trades hands. So if you run my credit card on Stripe right now, that is going to be recorded as cash in today, right? And this is the simplest way to really do accounting. You only are recording transactions when money changes hands between organizations, okay? Now, the only issue with this is it doesn't give you an accurate representation all the time of what's happening within the business. And when we look at financial reporting, we want to make sure we're as accurate as possible because we're making decisions off of it. So I want to give you a scenario. Let's say we have a client toward the end of a month, right, that we collect uh, payment on typically, but that payment is late. All right. Let's say we weren't able to collect the cash, their card declined, for example. So that's not going to be recorded as a transaction. However, by the book, we technically still are earning that revenue for the work we're doing from their bill date, right? So that transaction is going to get pushed to next month when the cash actually hits. Now, the problem with that is it doesn't allow us to get an accurate picture of what's going on because it may look like we actually had a dip in revenue for that month when in fact we had a net increase. It's just the payment was late. So this is a really common example that we'll see. So how do we fix that? right? Well, this is where we make the change to accrual accounting. And if you look at the bottom of your P&L, it should say cash basis or accrual basis. And with accrual accounting, you go ahead and record that transaction despite when the money changes hands. So as soon as the invoice is cut is when the transaction is recorded, not when the cash changes hands. So going back to my same example, if the bill date is on the 28th. I'm sending my invoice on the 28th. I'm counting that as revenue earned today on my mm-hmm. bill, regardless of it, if the payment hits next month. Okay. Same goes for your expenses. You're going to incur the expense when you receive the invoice, regardless of when you pay that invoice. Okay. And if you're running an agency with net payment terms, net 15, net 30, this has a more serious impact on you because we're used to delays between when uh, invoices are originated and when cash is expected to hit. So just make sure you're making that pivot over to accrual-based accounting. And when it comes to 
even valuation of your agency. Understand that by switching to accrual, you may have a significantly higher valuation because every month now has gotten a boost in revenue that was previously pushed maybe even into the next fiscal year for you or calendar year for you. So just keep that in mind. It is something that as you grow as an agency, you're going to want to do. And don't get too caught up in the ins and outs of it because realistically your bookkeeper or your CFO should already be recommending this to you and already kind of owning that process. Okay. Cause there is a bit more work on the back end that goes into getting set up on accrual accounting and actually managing it appropriately. That's good so, stuff. Are there on the accrual accounting side, like are there any additional benefits outside of like the acquisition side or, um, necessarily like being able to have a better grasp on on you know like what revenue truly should be is there any any other benefits to it yeah so what's actually going to happen is with uh, accrual accounting let's say we invoice uh, on a certain date we're technically earning that revenue over time so sometimes you're sending an invoice for something and that might span multiple months but you're accruing that payment over time right? So you're earning that revenue over multiple months. So once again, it's just tracking more accurately with the work that's actually being completed. Same thing with expenditures, right? So it's almost splitting out or spreading out that payment over time in relation to the actual invoice date. So it's more so matched appropriately with what's actually happening within the business. Got it. Okay. Understood. So a few other things that I would be paying attention to on the financial side with your, with your agency is revenue per head or revenue per employee. This is a big one that we look at internally on the consulting side to gauge how effectively agencies are utilizing their teams and their resources. So if an agency comes to us and they're only making $50,000 a year of gross revenue per employee, I know that those employees aren't utilized, meaning they might not have enough client work to work on, or they're not doing any activities that are actually generating more revenue, or they're just not properly tasked, right? And that's a symptom of low revenue per employee. Now, if I, on, on the contrary, if I find an agency at $200,000 a year per employee, I know that likely everyone on that team is completing a healthy amount of client work. They're charging a good amount of money for their services. And those employees are being billed appropriately for the work that they put into projects. Okay. So understand revenue per head is a good measure for your efficiency. Ideally, at minimum, we're going to want to be north of 150K per year per head. The most efficient organizations, anywhere from three to even $400,000 a year per head. So just keep that in mind in terms of aspirationally where you should want to be taking that metric. Yeah. What, what are some maybe quick things that can help increase revenue per head? Yeah. So think about things that you can charge for with a very low cost of delivery labor wise, right? If I sell an agency service and it's ad management, well, I know I have to have a media buyer on that project actively fulfilling the work, right? There's labor going into that project. Now, if I sell my media buying strategy 
to clients who aren't a good fit, perhaps as a downsell for my offer, well, I've just captured all this additional revenue, which bolsters everyone across the organization's revenue per head, right? Because we're taking gross revenue divided by the amount of full-time employees to find revenue per head. So you can see any net addition to that without having to add another person is going to have a positive effect on revenue per employee. Or think about how can I more effectively use the time that my employees uh, have, right? So for example, can I start selling a different offering like strategy because we have empty bandwidth and if we could capture a little bit more revenue up front on the strategy side and have them take more of a consultative approach up front before they go into done for you, then I'm also capturing more revenue up front and utilizing them more if I don't have enough recurring work to do. So that's another way that we can boost it because the reality is there's a big spread between the actual amount of thinking time it takes to get a client an end result and the amount of time implementing it takes to get the client end result on a done for you basis. Mm, okay, understood. Uh, what like what else? What else on the financial side are people kind of missing? Yeah, so uh, utilization rate. This isn't a metric that you're going to find on your P and L statement, but we want to get a good feeling for how utilized our team is because this ties into revenue per head, like I just talked about, right? Course, yeah. So. On a standard 40 hour work week, every employee in theory could work 160 hours per month, right? Four weeks mm -hmm. times 40. Okay. So ideally we want our employees above 80% billable, which means 80% of their time is spent on client work. The only caveat I'm going to give for this is managers obviously are not going to be as billable as your fulfillment teams. Yep. So keep that in mind. And that is another problem in and of itself that I see is sometimes there is a bloated or overstaffed management team that is supporting too few actual producers that we're billing for, right? You can't make up for too many non-billable positions if you don't have people actually fulfilling work, okay? Yeah. yeah At the true. end of the day, we sell labor, right? Yep. Skilled labor. So uh, that's another one. Uh, next, gross profit margin, right? At least having an understanding of what it costs to fulfill your services. And when we ask most agencies, do you know how much it costs to fulfill that service? We seldom get an answer, right? Which is one yeah. of the main things we help people really solve, but it's key. Ideally, we want to be above 70% gross profit margins. Cause the way I want you to think about your profit and loss, you have gross revenue, your cost of goods sold, which are your contractors, your 1099s, uh, any other pass-through expenses. If you do creatives, you know, this is your, your props your studio equipment, all of these other things that are going into that uh, production or that fulfillment block. And then we have our standard general and administrative, which is where all of our employees go. Now, for the sake of pricing, we take that employee labor that's typically down in our operating expenses and we allocate some of that to cost of goods sold to arrive at, on a per project basis, how much money do we actually make? So once again, just to recap on gross profit margin, you're going to want to drill down at the project level because each project, all the projects together equal your gross revenue or your gross profit margin, right? Because at the end yeah. of the day, we're just talking about that across however many clients we have, the average of that. So yeah. just keep that in mind. 
And what you might find also is that some clients are extremely profitable and then other clients are literally sucking all the profit out of the business, which is always a good exercise to have. Like you could cut a client and actually make more money than, than keeping them on board. So really good what's, exercise. What's crazy on that point too, is you might even be providing them the same service. Mm. So it's like, which one is the bigger account management headache that requires three calls a week to keep happy versus yeah. someone who takes one call a month to keep happy, right? That's how we can even see that, even if you're doing the same thing at the end of the day for them. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Uh, next, what we're going to want to look at is salary load as a percentage of your revenue. The most profitable agencies that we see in our consultancy are under 50% labor, right? So total salaries, fully loaded, meaning salaries, insurance, bonuses, benefits, all of that summed up is less than 50% of the company's revenue. Now, yep. in that same uh, vein, right, it's okay to be up at a 50% uh, salary load, but just understand we are therefore sacrificing profit to staff up to where is necessary to actually scale our revenue. So this is gonna fluctuate, but the real cash cows of the agency world are under 50%, the most effective ones under 25%, which sounds kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, no, those are, are really high-performing, efficient agencies. They're just not gonna be able to achieve that rapid growth rate because we need more people to be able to grow when it comes to our yeah. agency. For sure. And, and that one caveat that you put in there, fully loaded, right? It's like, I think a lot of people know what their salaries are, but not a fully loaded salary with all the benefits, all the, the perks and, and, and uh, bonus structures and all that. Like they don't calculate a lot of that into, into their financial structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's very easy to miss. And you're also going to want to include all those things when you're calculating uh, your pricing and how much you should be charging for yep. people's time, fully loaded salaries. As far as financial metrics go, these are really what I would be paying attention to at a very high level. I don't think, if you're not tracking anything right now, I wouldn't worry about going more detailed than we just went. I would start with your three financial statements and then expand into some of these other metrics that we're talking about. And understand there's a million different metrics you can look at at the end of the day, I'm really concerned with gross profit. I'm really concerned with my operating expenses and I'm really concerned with my EBITDA, okay? So those are really the only things I would be paying attention to if you don't have anything in place right now and you'll be in a good spot. Cool, and then just to recap those statements that you're looking for, P&L, what else? The balance sheet, which mm -hmm. think of this as your uh, personal net worth statement for your company, okay? We're talking okay. about assets here. We're talking about our liabilities, both short and long-term liabilities, meaning what are we gonna be paying in the next 12 months or come due in the next 12 months or beyond the next 12 months, okay? Uh, same goes for assets. There's current and long-term uh, assets as well. And then we have our shareholders equity, okay? Which when you take assets minus liabilities, what is left? Equity, right? Yeah which is what the shareholder stake is actually worth. If you were to liquidate everything within the business, now this isn't valuation. This is what the equity stake is worth 
yeah. uh, within the company, right? If you were to sell everything off. So the key thing about the balance sheet is the balance sheet needs to balance. Your assets will equal your liabilities plus your shareholders equity, right? Got it. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Anything cash else? Flow statement. The cash flow statement. Oh, cash flow statement. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the only thing. Uh, the only other thing. So the main thing you're going to want to pay attention to there is uh, cash from operating activities. There's cash from investing activities and financing activities on there as well. Uh, agencies are pretty simple organizations, so you're not really going to have too much uh, financing activity um, unless there's you know debt on the company or you're you're create you're lending money or anything like that. So really just from operating expenses, what came in from our operating activities, what went out from our operating activities, and what is our net change to our cash? So if we're profitable, that number should be positive and going up every month, right? We're adding to our company assets each and every month, and it'll also show any distributions or dividends paid to the shareholders. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking us through all the financial side real quick 30 seconds plug yourself where can people find you anything exciting new coming up for you that you're wanting to plug yeah use, totally use the spotlight totally so uh you can find me on instagram at kirchner uh without the e someone with an inactive account of like 20 years has my handle so anyway story for another time uh and then i am also launching a podcast of my own it'll be an interview guest show it's going to be called Ask an Operator, and you'll be able to find that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we are really going to get down to the nitty gritty of some of the most successful minds and business leaders and operators out there. And it's going to be more of a tactical focused podcast, less on backstory, less on journey and mindset, and more so on, hey, for the model that you built, what did you learn and what were the steps you took and how would you do it differently? if you were to start it over today. So I'm super excited for that. And obviously we got some great things going on at Hydra. So for sure, for sure. Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on daily ops boost. Uh, you guys, you know, the, the, the lay of the land here, leave a quick review. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast would appreciate it. goes a long way. Get some more eyes on the podcast, get some more listeners. Uh, it does help us expand our reach to other people. So, Thank you for tuning in today. We will catch you on the next one. Peace. Yo, thank you so much for listening in to Daily Ops Boost. We really appreciate your attention. If you're enjoying the shorter form content, you're going to absolutely love the long form content that we post over on YouTube. We do a live stream every single week, 7 p.m. Central Time. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. It's called Agency Therapy. We'll see you over there.